Hi, welcome to Expert Talks at Mavris. This is the interview series with thought leaders in the AI, analytics and transformation space. My name is Mahadevan Ayer, Maha for short. I am your host for today. I am the co-founder and CEO of Mavris, which is a managed marketplace for on-demand analytics and business consultancy services. Our guest for today is Mamta Rajnaik. Mamta is the Vice President and Head of AI and ML Platforms and Products at American Express. Prior to American Express, Mamta worked with Accenture as Managing Director and Retail Analytics Leader at the Global AI Hub. She's also had stellar careers at Adobe, EvalueServe and ICICI Bank. Mamta is a MA in Applied Operational Research and a MSc in Economics. She is an innovator who has got five patents to her name. She speaks frequently at industry forums on the evolving role of AI and ML. Mamta, thank you so much for making time to speak with us at Expert Talks at Mavris. It's a pleasure speaking to you. Thank you so much for having me here, Maha. Super excited, thrilled to talk to you and very, very excited for what you're going to throw at me today. Okay, great. So, um, you know, so let me uh, first start. And you've, you've now almost for 16 years, you've been in the analytics space. The last, uh, you know, 10, 12, you have actually led organizations, analytics organizations. And uh, so I wanted to understand from you as a leader and practitioner of analytics, you know, what are some of the critical success factors for, you know, creating impact through analytics, uh, right? Um, and, and if you could, uh, you know, throw light on some of those, uh, and also expand on the importance of why domain knowledge and situational awareness uh, becomes extremely important, right? I'm starting off with this question because I uh, I saw one of your interviews uh, where you said that, you know, 85 to 90% of analytics projects don't get productionalized, right? And which is true, right? I mean, the numbers vary, but this is, this is a known fact, right? Um, and, and so given that background, uh, how does one make analytics successful and impactful? For sure. So I guess, I mean, uh, see, um, starting my uh, last end, which was uh, at Accenture, that's where I started, you know, leading uh, big practices and, you know, created big, big teams, uh, which were driving analytical, uh, you know, success for our clients. And I think one thing which I found common among all the clients, whenever we were doing any work for them, they knew exactly what they wanted the results to convert into the business results, right? It was important for any consulting organization or for that matter, even if you're sitting in a, you know, um, captive, if you are an analytical team, then you are pretty much like a consulting, you know, a team for them. So for anyone who's bringing in those analytical skills to the table, it is extremely important. More than even their technical skills, it is extremely, extremely important to be able to relate to the layman you know, uh, business problems that the business throws at you and convert that into an analytical solution or an analytical problem, first of all, right? I mean, so you, I would say framing an analytical problem itself solves half the, uh, you know, battle right there. If you're not able to do a great job at that, then you, it will be more, more or less like junk in, junk out, right? So having your solid technical skills is must have because that's what you are, you know, uh, brought into the table for. But at the same time, how do you understand the business problem at hand and how you 
would be able to frame your problem in such a way that the data would be able to solve for it. But you mentioned a very great point, Maha, wherein you're talking about the situational leadership, right? That's where the, uh, the role comes in for senior leaders, right? Wherein you are able to not only uh, come up with the right framework, you're not only able to bring the right team who will be able to deliver the work well, but at the same time, you are able to, you you're expected to understand the people psychology, right? There would be so many people sitting on the table. People uh, on the table will have conflicting priorities. So how you as an analytical leader come there, bring, come, bring them all together, help to find them a place where it will be a win-win situation for all of them. Uh, in consulting also in you know, any of the captive environment, one of the things which I usually play is being an analytical person, you don't need to, you, you would be known for your technical skills that you bring to the table. But how the business problem gets solved and how it will impact the business ultimately, right? You would enable it, you will help it solve it, but you don't need to really vouch for that limelight to say that, oh, I did it all, yeah. right? If you, if you, you know, make your stakeholders go and present your work in front of their leadership, in front of the CEOs uh, of their organization, etc. It helps you in two ways. One, the, the stakeholder or the business partner who's working with you, they feel confident. They feel that they're a part of the, you know, crew. Uh, and, and, you know, uh, solving the business problem through AI is always very, very cool, right? It brings in a lot of efficiency. It is the top of the town. It is something which is everyone wants to do, etc. So it makes them a part of the tribe in a way, right? So they walk along with you. They, instead of, you know, contesting you with the results, they try to understand it in more detail and they anyways are able to better explain to the senior leadership than you because you would always have that technical language when you're speaking right so that's one thing which i always always follow i don't try uh, you know look for a limelight in front of the the senior business leaders uh, when this work gets presented i let my business partners present it to them and second thing which i do is also try to understand the if if someone is contesting you know try to understand where they are coming from because Everyone here on the table is there to achieve business results. That is the success factor, right? So have that trust in your business partners. And if they're contesting something, try to understand why they are doing it and try to help them understand your perspective. Those two things, I feel, do the magic. I mean, it's 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 never that I've seen when you've, you're working with the business partners so closely, closely knit, tied to their business objective, making their business objective your business objectives, it seldom fails as a output is what I feel. Oh, excellent. So rightly said. So you say, well, technical skills are important. You're saying your ability as a, uh, as a change leader to able to be able to engage with your business stakeholders, right? Understand their prioritize, uh, priorities, empathize with them, try and build a narrative that suits everyone. Um, is very important. And then, like you said, uh, it's almost like us being the enabler uh, as an analytics team and, you know, making them the heroes or the winners uh, actually, you know, helps build the level of trust and, uh, you know, um, synergies with them. Right? No, excellent. Nice. Exactly. exactly. So, uh, you know, uh, now we, we keep hearing this that, you know, so obviously 
uh, there is a lot more of uh, you know you empathize with business try and understand where they are coming from and hence you need a lot more of uh, you know understanding of business of that particular domain or situation uh, right uh, because unlike uh, it development or systems integration where you need domain here it becomes a lot more situational context also becomes very important right uh, and like you said for the same problem to be solved with two different stakeholders the priorities could be different and hence the approaches need to be accordingly uh, you know flexed and searched to get there right now uh, so i wanted to understand you know in your uh, experience what are some of the approaches that you have taken uh, to build a little more understanding of business context is it based on a problem and the uh, issue or is it something else that you do from a reading perspective from a stakeholder engagement perspective uh, you know secondary uh, sources of uh, you know information so you know how, how do you go about building that and how do you ensure that your team also is able to uh, you know follow that and build that capability Uh, sure, Maha. So I think one of the thing which I would always say is whenever you are going to work on a you know problem statement that you want to solve, do a thorough power map of your uh, stakeholders. Right? Who is the right decision maker? What are the right business problems? Those things you have to do first thing. Right? It's like you know, for anything that you do in life, the more time you spend in planning, the less time you'll have to spend in execution because you know you know what you are expected to do. so that's exactly what you need to do for an analytical problem as well right uh, you have to do a good power map so that you understand who are the decision makers and what are their priorities so that you know later on uh, you're not late in the game in really solving for what they're looking for right so that's one thing second thing is it also depends on not only the business priorities but also how a leader thinks about you know uh, uh, for those business priorities there are some leaders who would really look for a speed versus some leaders who would think of you know creating the best possible solution and it also depends on you know the the business domain you may be working with if i were to take a, a you know bank example itself right if you are working with someone who is a fraud leader or is a risk leader or is a credit leader they would focus more on the the accuracy whereas if you're working with a marketing leader they would focus more on the speed right Correct. so you have to see what you're doing even though their objective is still exactly the same they both want to create good revenue for the organization but their basic requirements are different right marketing person would like to woo the customer invite them to come and try out few things whereas risk person would like to save dollars by avoiding those risky propositions or a fraud fraud leader would like to really you know uh, put those checks and balances so that a fraud does not take place right and for and and uh, both for risk and fraud the proportion of people who are high risk or who have the you know uh, propensity to commit a fraud is very very small right it will be less than 0.1% or whatever that number could be right and in that case it becomes extremely difficult for any for any machine learning model or a statistical model to capture that uh, you know percentage and predicted right that's why it takes you know good amount of deep uh, models and you know very very niche models to be able to predict it and hence you may need to spend a lot of time doing that and also the gain right if my accuracy is 90 uh, you know 91% versus 91. 
So I've been in organizations where we do deep learning, you know, MLAI projects. Uh, you know, we say we'll build predictive models. And so, so if you look at the spectrum of projects, there, there are business expectations on projects where it's like a quick turnaround, solve it for me now type of stuff, right? There is something happening in the market. My my sales dipping, market share is reducing, or conversion is dropping, whatever, right? And businesses like you know. Uh, you know, let's look at the here and now. You know, let's get past this one. And equally, on other things, we are building transformation models. We are, you know, building stuff which will have personalization, whatever, which will have huge long-term impact or strategic impact for the company. Right um, now, you know, on on a spectrum. So I would say one is on one end of the spectrum, which is, you know. Uh, maybe reasonable level of accuracy and quality, but just let's keep moving. And the other is a lot more evolved, long-term investment and all that. So in your own experience, uh, you know, how have you seen this, uh, you know, spectrum? Is it, uh, are as organizations getting more and more mature? Are they moving to the right side, which is more strategic projects and, you know, uh, allowing their teams to have more and more of self-help type of stuff? Is it really moving there? Because my own experience has been that, uh, the analytics brand with the business leader uh, gets built based on how quickly we can solve their current, uh, you know, problems, right? The brand with the board gets built on, you know, strategic transformation, right? But at the end of the day, it is business which eventually creates our own brand. So, so how do you look at it on the spectrum? And uh, what's been your experience in learnings to that? I would say, ma'am, uh, I mean. If I were to talk about something uh, which I had seen about ten to five to ten years back, I would say everyone, you know, all the leaders that I spoke to, business leaders that I spoke to, they always felt that oh, if I do machine learning, everything will get solved, hunky dory, magic would happen, right? Mm. But over the period of time, because you know they have also seen lot of work getting done in machine learning, it's not always that the machine learning is the only solution. At times when you need speed. A simple tabular data can also give you some insights that you will be able to take ahead, you know, very quickly. Whereas, you know, perhaps a quick and dirty machine learning model can also do the same job. So it, it depends on, you know, how fast you want the results or, you know, how much you are able to compromise or agree on. Right. But at the same time, we can't, can't undermine the, the value that these deep learning models bring to the table as well, because there are few you know use cases in the organization which have been getting done through you know simple uh, visualizations or tabular data or maybe a simple you know correlation matrix or something of that sort for long and you know those work well as a bau but if you want to go a step ahead and you know improvise and you know come up with better business benefits through it then i would suggest that you know people should also start a parallel project which at a little, you know, um, uh, I would say a, a mature speed, right? A paced out speed. Give them time to really research about it. And that's where, you know, most of the organization nowadays, I have seen that they have started creating these labs within their organizations, right? And these labs uh, have some research project going on at the, on uh, you know, at a regular, uh, uh, on a regular basis. And some of some of the times, you know, very innovative solutions come out of these labs because, you know, you are giving those, uh, you know, data scientists, decision scientists, good amount of time to really research and come up with something which others have not tried so much in the industry. So 
you know it it needs a good amount of hit and trial it needs a good amount of you know understanding things yourself i mean if you think about machine learning or ai five years back even today i meet so many people who would say yes i want to do ai but they have no understanding of what ai is right uh, similarly uh, you know uh, metaverse and you know i mean think of all of those new things right blockchain a lot of people will keep talking about them because it is cool to talk but then they don't know exactly what goes behind it right so it needs us also some time for us to get into the details and understand those nuances ourselves and that takes time so i would say you know for your bau stuff don't bother what is solving for it just keep going with what is solving for it today but keep a side project which is research oriented and helps you improvise once it is in the form and shape which is scalable then you can bring that into bau and get on to the next research project great so you mentioned the word called metaverse so i'll actually you know and then you also been a retail analytics leader and uh, you know so just your own experience of how much do you think is metaverse really getting adopted so i know metaverse will have a lot of uh, you know data exhaust and so the ability for us to do a lot more of you know deep learning models and create value could be higher uh but the metaverse has its own challenges itself it's not as open as internet 2.0 whatever it is still in you know uh, uh in in various islands or whatever right now right i mean one is not very clear about the story but it'll be interesting to hear your own thought given that you've been a retail analytics leader in terms of what do you think is the uh, some of the use cases where metaverse is likely to get adopted and analytics is going to play or ai is going to play a you know huge role Uh, in the way those early adopters of metaverse will benefit sure so metaverse i think right now it is still in very initial stages right very few organizations are using it and that too more in a gamification form i don't think many organizations are doing as great a job uh, as we expected them to do in uh, last couple of years because i i i know that metaverse started getting popularity about 2 2 and 1/2 3 years back right and uh, usually uh, analytic industry sees if something new comes up it sees a very very sharp you know um, pace towards it and lot of adoption happen but for metaverse we've not seen so much right a lot of organizations are talking about it but looks like you know the technology is still not supporting is as much as we would want it to right but if i were to think about some of the use cases which i always you know used to feel the moment i heard about metaverse right i mean uh, of course uh, being virtual and being together right uh, that itself uh, we all thought would be very well done but today if we talk about in the organization we still want to come back to office uh, you know work uh, physically working together with each other etc so if metaverse was as successful i think you know this this coming back to office as i on you know my colleagues among my industry friends etc i mean everyone is just talking about you know having that so we are able to create that avenue that platform where you can you know be virtually present but we are still not able to give that you know uh, that that you know feeling of being together to each other through metaverse i mean that's very very clear 
right? But if you think about it, uh, you know, from an retail perspective, although we started talking about metaverse only two, three years back, but a version of metaverse or augmented reality started much before, right? I remember there was this, uh, you know, uh, uh, Reliance, uh, I don't know whether it was Ajio or some version before that, but they had this, uh, you know, augmented reality kind of a thing in which you can go to the website, choose the clothes that you're selecting to buy. And you can also choose a, an avatar of you based on your height, weight, you know, physical structure, etc. And then you can try it out, right? The, the products that you're looking at. So they would create an avatar, which looks pretty much like you. And then you can keep trying the, the clothes that you're selecting. Lens cart is a big example as well, right? I mean, you can try out the glasses on your face uh, and then you can, you know, before buying, you know, you know, what it will look like, etc. I mean, so these things are evolving, but I would really feel that there is a lot which can be achieved there. One of my favorite uh, thing which I say is in, uh, you know, while buying products online, and I do a lot of online shopping, even my fridge, ACs, etc. I am very comfortable buying them online which very few people are, right? They would always want to go touch, feel, look, and etc. But I, I do that very often. The things where I still miss buying online is perfume. I mean, how do I buy you know perfume online if I have not tried it? So would there be any technology tomorrow that I'm able to not only you know uh, see the product, but I should be able to touch, feel the cloth material, or I should be able to, you know, experience the fragrance of the perfume and, and things like that. So, yeah, those are the things which I feel would be some new sure. technologies which can help us. No, but, yeah, I mean, like the magic mirror and all that you said that Reliance tried. So, Sephora tries doing something of it and, you know, Rebecca Menkoff is doing. But adoption, like you said, has not been at the pace that one expected when it actually started. Now, that brings me to the next question. See, uh, over the last 15, 17 years where, you know, this whole analytics and data and big data and AI, ML has, has gained a lot of prominence, right? One of the biggest thing is that a lot of people, a lot of companies have a lot of internal data. So, you know, uh, there is data that is created, uh, you know, if you take retailer, for example, you know, when a customer is walking in, shopping, etc., you know, as retailers become omni, there is website e-commerce traffic. There are a lot of feedback loops, maybe some, you know, social media handles, inputs and all that type of stuff. Right. But a lot of this data is essentially what I call as internal data. This is data about there is obviously uh, there is a customer identifier data and what they're doing. Um, but equally, uh, you know, this tells us about our universe. What it doesn't tell us is the universe outside. Uh, right. Uh, and that is actually changing far faster than, you know, uh, and we need to keep in, you know, in sync with that, right? So are you seeing, but then there are also, so there is a Google, uh, you know, possibly mobility data available. There are quite a few stuff that is also available. So in your own experience, and now that, you know, you're also working for Accenture, you're now working for American Express. So everybody is also wanting to understand what's happening in the outside world, right? So how important is outside in perspective becoming you know, what are some of the approaches to try and see uh, how external data can be sourced, used, etc. You know, if you can throw some light on that. Certainly. So I think uh, at American Express, in fact, external perspective is extremely, extremely important. In fact, you know, most of us as leaders, they get gauged on how much of external perspective are we able to bring in, whether it is through external data or it is through, 
looking at the competitors, seeing what they're doing, or, you know, just looking at the latest technology and whatnot, etc. So, you know, and, and, and I feel that any progressive organization should have external perspective at the center of their, uh, you know, decision making as well, because you can't just sit in your cocoon and do things, right? You have to understand how the industry is progressing, where the movement is, if that, you know, um, uh, growth in a certain technology is going to benefit you or not. So you be early on on the game rather than waiting for, you know, someone to do it and then you are doing a catching up game. That's not something which will make you an organization which would be progressive enough, right? So, you know, I feel that uh, external data helps a long way as well for, for this. And if I were to talk about, uh, you know, from a retail perspective, Retail in retail we get a lot of data. For example, you know if you were to think about uh, um, maybe a, a QSR retailer like McDonald's or Subway, right? I mean the amount of data they have about a customer is humongous, right? Which which sub are you buying, for example? What all sauces did you ask me to put in that sub? What all wedges did you ask me to put in uh, your sub? Did you ask me? Uh, did you ask the uh, the, the preparer to also put salt and pepper or not. So, you know, you are getting to know so much about a customer, about their taste buds, you know, the kind of bread they want and things like that, right? So many things. Uh, similarly, for a, you know, retailer who is into fashion retailing, you get to know so many different aspects of the user or the, you know, the, the customer in terms of their fashion taste, right? So you can pretty much build like a, you know, uh, there's this, term we used to use which is called customer genome so like you know you get to know each and every aspect of the customer's genes right from a taste perspective from a fashion sense perspective from your uh, you know uh, electronics choices perspective so you can pretty much you know create a lot of it but if you are a retailer in a particular domain you will only get to know about those aspects right you will not know if if you are a fashion retailer you will only get to know about fashion sense you're an electronic retailer you'll know that so how do I then, you know, get to know you holistically? Because if I am a person who likes to invest uh, in, uh, you know, the latest uh, gadgets, then I would also be perhaps a person who would want to try the latest fashion, right? So you can draw a lot of things uh, from my persona per se, right? And there are a lot of organizations, uh, data providers uh, who can provide data onto this. There are, you know, uh, you you have you can of course you know the 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 traditional ways of uh, getting this data is through you know cookie enablement etc. You can buy data from Google uh, you know with respect to the search history of the person etc. Nowadays location data mobility data all of that comes in handy and you can buy that data also from you know a lot of places. Uh, there are uh, you know uh, apart from that uh, you know the, the census data there are you know, uh, the surveys, et cetera, that keep happening. You can get a lot of data from there also. And there are certain, you know, um, uh, other uh, data providers which also help you understand, uh, you know, the, the credit scores and stuff like that. So it's, it's basically about how much you're able to create that 360 degree view of your customer and then use that, right? Uh, external data being one. Apart from that, you can also, you know, try and see what all, collaborations you can do with the uh, different businesses, right? Uh, and then, you know, if there is a way to create that ID graph for the customer so that with one identifier for the customer, 
you would be able to provide them uh, I, we were working in my previous organization we were working with one of the uh, big uh, you know conglomerate in middle east and they were pretty much thinking of creating a sibil like a score for the customer because from this sibil score you only get to know about the customer's financial health right and that too when i'm talking about financial health the finances which are visible electronically or you know i if i were to use desi term black money and white money kind of a thing right so you only get to see the white money part of it but what about the money which you are not making it visible to anyone else right and that's where this collaborate was saying that oh i have this financial business i also have this retail business i also have this uh, you know um, jewelry business so why if what if i you know bring it all together and then i am able to create a persona of a user of a, a customer who would be able to you know uh, looking at this person i would not only know what they are doing in their financial world delinquency and you know all of those what not but i'm also able to see oh if when they are coming to my retail shop are they buying a lot of uh, products in cash and hence i never got to know that they had this money or if they are coming in buying jewelry then i get to know that oh my god this another pot of money is still there so i can offer them you know much or i can take a much bigger um bet with them in terms of offering them mortgage mortgages or anything of that sort right so those are i think some of the things which really fascinates and uh, can really bring in a lot of uh, uh, you know uh, or i would say unveil a lot of things which are unknown okay nice so so essentially obviously outside in perspective becomes very important and like you said organizations as mature as american express are you know continuously looking at that so there is like you said third party data through google mobility and you know other stuff google search history and all that which is one way of looking at it and the other thing you are saying is if within the group there are uh, you know multiple industries the group is catering to then you know creating a unique identifier and running a program uh can help them understand customers across multiple uh you know industry segment that they are catering to and create a maybe a more uh, more rounded profile of the customer identify headrooms and then go after that right uh, and the third thing i think you said is also looking at uh, possibly partnerships or whatever with uh, maybe you know other uh, you know industry people who have possibly similar customer profile coming to them and create a id graph of customer based on that right so so multiple okay great so now uh, so over the last few years now people are talking about low code no code a lot more uh, right and uh, that's great news for people like me though i have been an analytics person uh, i'm not a tech person so to speak i have always been on uh, or rather like to position myself as a person who understands business more than really writing code or uh you know uh, uh writing deep learning models or whatever right uh, i couldn't write python for example right that that's that's the background though i've been an analytics right and so when low code and no code came it thought it's a, a boon for people like me and transformation leaders and all that uh who possibly believe they have the ability to understand business context set the narrative uh lead change through their uh, you know uh ability to influence people whatever right and, and then have a big picture thing and then low code and no code means all you need to know is be able to ask the right question define the problem better uh, you know set the expectations create a project plan and uh, lo and behold you know life is going to be uh, 
um, easy for you, right? Um, but, but then again, I think it's a mixed bag, right? I mean, it is uh, it is helping, but it is not something where you can get away with, uh, you know, uh, not having tech skills unless you have a very strong team which is there to help you on that, right? Um, but then uh, equally for people who are entirely on the business side, uh, the expectation is that things are going to get uh, easier and easier, faster and faster, because all this is going to, you know, uh, earlier you had to go pull the data, do the cleaning, write the thing, a lot of iterative process. Now you just ask it a question and it will tell you type of stuff. And if I keep probing better, then I will get better answers. So what's been your experience of this? And, you know, and given this background, um, how important will become the ability to prompt and ask the right questions? is always important, but will it now become, will it make business leaders and transformation leaders a lot more effective and reduce their dependence on tech teams, to so to speak? I would not say that reducing dependence on tech team is anyways going to happen. I mean, day to day, yes, but uh, but let me let me you know bring you to my first job. Um, uh -huh. I mean, in my first job, I remember one of my leaders said that today's insight should be tomorrow's report, right? So today, if you're doing something really cool, which is like, oh my God, aha moment, and I've really cracked something, tomorrow it should become a process and it should come start coming automatically. That should be one's narrative if they want to grow in any organization or any setting in life as well, right? If, if you keep doing the same thing over and over again with the same way, so, and then another, you know, uh, phrase that I remember from the same leader was, if you are doing same thing and expecting different result, it's insane, right? You have to change your ways and then only you will expect different results, right? And having, and I've, I've been for last 16 years of my uh, feel that uh, you know providing the business stakeholders or the users of my platforms because I'm leading the AML platform right now and we are pretty much you know trying to automate everything that the uh, a modeler would come and do my platform come and do on my platform and make it easy for them right so for example uh, when the modeler is creating a machine learning model they have to do some hyperparameter tuning to get to the right parameters which goes into the model so that the right accuracy comes out right so and and uh, you know traditionally what used to happen is people would you know keep trying various parameters hit and try etc now we've come up with certain guidelines and we are giving them certain best practices and those best practices are even implementing on the platform so that the platform takes care of all of the, those iteration in an optimized fashion. So my one of my you know modelers can come and tell me that oh Mamta, I used to do this all by myself earlier and that used to help me understand the data better. Now your platform is doing that I'm not able to understand the data. So you're basically curbing my thought of or, or my you know uh, learning curve, right? It 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 is not as deep in it now as it used to be earlier for me. But I always feel, right? I mean, if you think about 20 years back or 25 years back, when you, we used to have those Fiat Ambassador cars, right? These cars did not even a handbrake in it. So if I have to really 
you know drive the car uphill or downhill oh my god it used to be such a skill somebody will have to really you know balance with one foot putting uh, you know your foot uh, your foot both on the brake and the accelerator at the same time and ensuring that you are able to go downhill uphill and look at the cars today right they have uh, of course handbrake came long back but the cruise control and everything but does that mean that i'm not enjoying driving my car as much as i was enjoying that time i am right i'm still enjoying driving my car but i'm able to now given with all the volume that is coming on the tra- on on the roads i'm able to navigate better because half of my job car is doing itself and i am able to now focus on other things which as if the technology hadn't come then i would have maybe end up uh, you know meeting with an accident more often given all the volume that is coming on the roads same is the case here right given we are becoming more educated in the analytical area it is becoming very very evident that more and more volume of work is going to come on our plate and more and more work that i am able to let the machine do that's always best for me as a modeler as well because i will have time to do more you know insightful work for for my organization and bring it bring it closer to a place where productionization can happen earlier i used to keep spending my time in those you know small nuances data cleaning xyz if i am and it is the same process right i mean the data cleaning pretty much is a same process so why do you need to spend your time let the machine do the job and you take it up post that so that you are able to really add some value to it so that's how i see it i i feel what you saying is things which are more repetitive in nature uh, things which are um, uh, more uh, more uh, you know Uh, don't require that much of human to human interaction or creativity in thinking is something uh, you know the low code no code platforms and the machine learning will actually help us save time on that to be able to think through more on the business side of it think differently think creatively and all that that's am i right in understanding yes, that totally totally bang on right so now uh, so you know low code no code platforms and future of ai everybody is hearing of so many things that's happening in that space uh like you said uh, you know things will efficiency will continue to increase for people to be able to have lot more business perspective and solve you know uh, uh the problems in more creative more insightful fashion equally there is uh, when we speak of metaverse you touched upon uh, you know the future of work where you know post uh, the pandemic people working from home or prefer working from home prefer working from their Uh, you know hometowns or native places you know a lot of companies uh, doing hybrid uh, you know remote work i mean i'm a old school guy who always to feel analytics and transformation have, has to happen in the office it is more about people to people interaction creativity gets bred there and all the type of stuff right and now i'm seeing that okay you can do analytics remotely you can do brainstorming remotely thanks to you know the zooms and the ms teams of the world and all that right and and, and then there is a lot of people also migrating to becoming more you know there is a population migration happening to freelance as well right so there is there is in terms of the people working and their uh, you know their 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 preferences work life balance requirements all that the pandemic has actually reset quite a few things right equally from a future of ai perspective a lot of stuff is happening where you know a lot of things can be automated a lot of things uh, you know maybe maybe easy to understand and you know use insights better on that so where do you see future of ai and future of work uh, merging will it 
will it really disrupt the way the antiques industry is set today uh, you know when do you see it going i mean uh, is it even possible that you know somebody sitting out of india is going to solve a very critical problem for a similar company uh, in maybe us or in europe or something and uh, is it far easier now to do that than 3 4 years back is it likely to evolve more in that direction what's your thought i feel uh, i mean this has been uh, as you rightly mentioned right i mean pandemic really fast forwarded us right it's it, uh, i mean we of course were on that path in fact uh, when i was in accenture for last uh, i spent about 8 years uh, little more than 8 years in accenture and for all those 8 8 and a half years me and my entire team we were all working from home all the time right it okay. was only you know when the client visits were happening or if we were visiting client offices or something else uh, you know leadership visits etc would happen then only we would go to office uh, right and or if we are just you know uh, keeping some team outing and uh, you know spending some time together but otherwise i was taking care of a lot of global clients across us europe uh, you know asia a lot of you know around the clock we were uh, working and solving business problems for all our all of our clients so what you're saying that you know someone sitting in a remote uh, village in uh, let's say uh, a small village in bihar so i had uh, you know lot of these campus hires who were who would work from their uh, you know hometowns sitting in a remote village in bihar and solving for something which a big retailer in us may be requiring so all of that was already happening i don't think you know that is something which uh, was new uh, for companies like accenture but pandemic fast forwarded it for everyone else as well right i mean uh, all the organizations started doing that and this this mental block that we had right that you can't you have to be present in the office to be able to really create uh, you know that impact so i guess that is gone totally everyone now understands that you know given the technology you are able to deliver what you are required to deliver even sitting anywhere right but what the technology is still not solved for is how do i create visibility for myself right how do i really bring in that thought leadership i mean of course you know i can still uh, you know uh, join a, a virtual meeting and present there etc but you know we are human beings and we are by design we are create we were created to be social beings as well right and we don't feel that happiness and that's where you know when i was talking about metaverse as well right we've been able to really make it very transactional right the technology has made it very very transactional i'm still able to do everything that i'm expected to do but am i able to create the same visibility for myself when i am present in front of my leader i don't know am i able to really create the strong you know that uh, emotional connects with my colleague as i was able to when i was on office again i don't know right so i am really looking for those technical those technologies which will enable me to do these aspects as well right i mean i can very well i mean as a as a you know uh, junior analyst i can always join the right meetings keep my uh, you know uh, video off and keep contributing right but would would my leader know who am i will they be able to really know my you know uh, uh, personality aspects they would know my technical skills but would they know my personality aspects and at the times when i would need help from my leaders will they be able to support me as well as if they knew me personally as well 
So, you know, those aspects, how do I bring those through technology is what I'm still looking for. Yeah. So you're saying it, it's about the human touch in terms of how does one really emotionally connect, feel the energy and all that. Yeah, I mean, when, when we're in office, you know, apart from the work that you do, you would actually step out of your cabin, uh, you know, have a chat, share a joke. Uh, you know, somebody would talk about something that's happening in their house. And there's a lot more of personal connect. And there is a level of bonding. I mean, you can't quantify that. Uh, but there is a level of, uh, you know, uh, feeling, camaraderie that used to get felt through a personal, in-person interaction, which which the current thing is... Uh, is not clear how it will solve. I mean, so if it's a repetitive thing, you're already in the system for maybe three, four, five years. People already know you. Let's say Mamta and Maya have worked together for four, five years. They know each other. Then this is something that can still work very well, continue to work very well. Uh, however, if there's the first time anybody is interacting, then the human touch, the in-person interaction becomes a lot more important, unless there is a tech solution at some point in future for that, for really people to perceive and build a level of emotional connected another right yeah, yeah well, so one of the things, uh, uh, if i were to add them right i mean uh, most of the organizations what i saw even in my previous organization because of pandemic you know uh, we from india started participating in lot more client uh, you know meetings because there was always this thing that oh you need to be physically present with the client to be able to you know uh, brainstorm with them but with pandemic it was you know a plain level ground for all of us whether you're sitting in us or in india you you are still virtually connecting with the client so what is stopping you to do that right and because of that what happened is that you know we started getting involved in lot many more things right uh, similarly for when I came to MX, I asked the same question, right? Because, uh, you know, everyone was talking about uh, that we are now delivering much more than what we were delivering earlier prior to pandemic. So, you know, what is it? And one of the things which, you know, was coming up was that even for American Express or for any other, uh, you know, when I'm talking to a few of my friends as well, we are now from India or from any other part of the world, we are getting involved into a lot many more things and hence the productivity has increased. But maybe that EQ has gone down because you know when we are keeping meetings after the meetings, it has become extremely, extremely transactional, right? You get into the meeting, you get to the point, you solve for it, move on to the next thing and solve for it, right? What is happening to those water cooler chats? Right? Where do I get to know you is what is missing, I feel. Oh, absolutely agree. Those water cooler chats, that's, that's the word I was looking for, water cooler discussions, right? Which are extremely powerful, which are extremely, extremely powerful that we are missing out. But equally, technology has helped us break some assumptions and barriers we had in our mind in terms of what can or cannot be done, you know, uh, remotely. Right? So that brings me to the last question that I had in this chat, which is... Uh, so, you know, you, you're one of those uh, top 11 women leaders in analytics and AI. Um, so people look up to you. So for any aspiring, uh, and, and since you're a woman leader, I'll actually ask the question of, you know, as a, uh, for any aspiring, uh, you know, uh, woman who's wanting to make it, uh, you know, in the data science and analytics space, right? Um, what would be your advice? I'm, I'm asking women there because I feel uh, analytics and AI, unlike in manufacturing or any of the other thing where a lot more of maybe physical 
presence is involved this is more about this is actually given to more given to women being a lot more successful than in any other field. also uh, you know contradict me on the f- uh, fact that there are other industries where you know this is better than other industries but i i limit you to answer the way you would like i think you read my mind maha i really wanted to contradict you on this because see first of all uh, you know although men or women i don't think you know we should say that one is able to do one thing better than other right uh, i mean yes maybe you know far back in history when uh, things were uh, required a lot of physical work etc wherein you know the muscle bar is stronger among men um, as compared to women i mean even in manufacturing today right with so many of machineries come into play etc i don't think it's really has still has come out to be uh, has out, i would not say come out to be has remained as a physical you know strength game as it was earlier so i would say that even in manufacturing industry or any other industry now women are uh, you know capable of playing the equal role because there are so many technology enablers for us to do that but if i were to come to stem and ai as well right i mean i guess that uh, you know first of all there is a strong need for us to bring in a lot of uh, you know uh, uh, awareness around uh, stem courses etc among the women but that's a separate topic altogether but if i were to talk about you know any advice that i have to give i mean leave alone whether it is a girl or a boy i would just say that first 4 to 5 years of your career just spend on developing those critical technical uh, skills in you because that is what is going to create your brand for yourself people would know you that this person has these skills so if you need anything and you know everything to be done in this you can go to this person so that creating a brand is extremely extremely important so don't be in a rush to you know go on a career growth path growth will happen it will happen automatically you don't need to bother about it of course you have to you know keeping your ears and eyes open so that you know what is going on in the organization and you know pitch for the opportunities when they come to your plate but don't keep that as your sole objective that you know when am i going to become a people leader or when am i going to get my next promotion if you're if you are focusing on developing those key skills and creating a brand for yourself being collaborative in the organization the growth would happen automatically so that's one thing i would say irrespective of gender that they should keep in mind for girls specifically what i would say is and that is irrespective of the you know the domain i would say we as girls we are you know brought the way we are you know uh, given our uh, upbringing in that we are you know told that and and the kind of upbringing that in last you know 10 to 20 years girls are getting is very different from what they were getting prior to that right now last 10 to 20 years the girls are told that uh, you know we have this special uh, super power to multitask and all of that i would just condemn it i would say that do away with that superwoman syndrome because what happens is in our own heads we you know keep thinking that oh i am expected to be a superwoman i'm expected to do well at job and i'm expected to do well at home i would say don't do that to yourself okay do a fair share of work at home do a fair share of work at office you are a you know single individual human being there is only so much that you will be able to do but whatever you do do a great job at it is what i would say don't shy away asking for help 
uh, I think the biggest thing one can do to themselves is to create a network of support, right? Uh, create a lot of, uh, you know, friends who can help you when you need, uh, you know, in a, you know, take to maybe take care of a, uh, you know, child at home or parents at home, etc. You know, uh, keep, keep, uh, I think the biggest support system that I have is of my in-laws, right? I mean, uh, I, I cannot say that I could have grown so much if my mom-in-law and my father-in-law wouldn't have supported me as much as they do today, right? So, you know, uh, most of us feel that uh, we, we we will stay in our nuclear family, we'll have our own independence and, you know, privacy and everything. But I feel that the kind of support and, uh, you know, uh, the kind of uh, strength that you get when you're staying in a joint family, that cannot be beaten. So I guess that's one more thing which I would suggest either, you know, to a man or woman, create that support system for yourself. Specifically for girls, do away with your superwoman syndrome. You are not a superwoman. You are a woman who has the right focus and just go with that. Oh, brilliantly articulated. And uh, thanks for contradicting me on that. I stand corrected. And uh, Mamta, it's been an absolute pleasure talking to you. Uh, and I look forward to staying connected with you as well. Thanks once again for making for time. Summer. And I'm sure our listeners will enjoy it. Lovely talking to you. Amazing questions. Thoroughly, thoroughly enjoyed. Great. Thank you. You could.